0: Your Money, replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me, on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3.
1: It's time for Money and Me. This is part of Your Money, where we get tips on how to grow your savings, your hard-earned money, and make smart investments and spot the latest trends in the stock market and the best and the brightest savings in the investment business. Today, I'm speaking with Tay Ling, Portfolio Manager of the Inclusive Value Fund, and she's going to help us understand what Quant Value Fund is all about and how we should go about investing in Inclusive Value Fund and to find out a little bit about Wheeling's transition from journalism to portfolio management. Uh, welcome and good morning, Wheeling. Thanks. We were just talking about, uh, you know, it's my first time here on Your Money, and Wheeling uh, is a veteran here at SBH.
0: Yeah, <laughs> for more than twenty-two years.
1: Wow, at the business times. Correct. So there's a lot of insight we can gain from Wheeling. Of course, first of all, how did you manage to raise one hundred million dollars for Quant Value Fund in a year?
0: I guess when we launched in two thousand and seventeen. There was a lot of money in the system, right? So, uh, interest rate was low. People Mm -hmm. didn't know where to put the money. Property prices were high. And then rental yields were low. And then, yeah, there was a lot of supply coming onto the markets. And then the government were putting in place the property cooling measures. So, people were looking around where to put the money. And then some of them, they had uh, bad experiences with uh, some financial products, especially during the global financial crisis. So, they were a bit cautious. So some of them, they have also been trying to uh, manage their money on their own. Mm -hmm. And then they found that they have been getting mediocre results. So when something came along, somebody they can trust, then they are open to trying it out. So our proposition is that we only get paid when we deliver positive returns to investors. So I guess investors like that because they've been getting the short end on the stick from large financial institutions for a long time.
1: It sounds so good to hear you say there's a lot of <laughs> money going around and that's how you raised a hundred million dollars but let's uh, backtrack a little bit here Wheeling uh, and tell us what quant value fund is all about and what drives this kind of fund
0: Quant funds are like, You choose stocks based on a list of characteristics in a stock, right? So before we can identify what are the characteristics, we have to do extensive research Mm -hmm. on what are the stocks that will deliver the positive returns based on the characteristics that they have. So based on that, then we shortlist the characteristics and then going forward, we will choose stocks that meet all our criteria. So we are utilising what is called the law of large numbers, When we select a large number of stocks that meet these characteristics, then there's a higher certainty that they will deliver the positive returns based on past track record.
1: When you talk about characteristics, what exactly are they? Give me an example of what's on your list of uh, characteristics. So
0: value, because we are a value fund, so we look for stocks that are trading at a significant discount to the fair value of the stocks. Right. So it has to be a bargain. We don't want to overpay for anything. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, we look for stocks with very low borrowings. Right. So it's the borrowings that will kill a company if mm-hmm. you can't meet your obligations. Right. So and then we look for stocks that are generating cash from the business that they can pay out as dividends to investors. And then we look for stocks with good corporate governance that treat minority shareholders fairly. So based on that then if a stock meet all these criteria, then we will add that in our portfolio
1: in building up inclusive value fund there's a concern that retail investors are don't stand a chance against institutions and head funds is this for real is this uh, what's your insight on this one
0: yeah, there's definitely advantages to being an institutional fund. Mm-hmm. I think I consider ourselves an institutional fund because we are able to get, like, gather a fund size and then we can get access to services from service providers at a lower rates, right. like custody fees, brokerage fees, and then they are also able to provide us with a more sophisticated tools compared to retail uh, investors. So these are the advantages of being an institutional fund. So, mm-hmm. and then, of course, we do this on a full-time basis, right? Okay. As retail investor... You so you guys are the
1: expert, in, in a way, for this one.
0: In one way, yeah, because we spend a lot of our waking hours looking at the markets and right. trying to fine-tune our strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas retail investors, you have your day job, and then when you're tired, come back from work, you have to look at the market, select stocks, and then weekends, you spend your weekends doing that, so... <laughs>
1: And sometimes you decide things based on your own personal uh, perspective and emotions correct. without looking at the bigger picture yes, like you guys can.
0: Yes. So ours is more systematic. We have done the research. We know kind of like what kind of things to look for in a stock, hmm. whereas retail investors maybe they hear, mm, said,
1: hey, that company yeah, sounds tips, good, I'll yeah, buy into it. Correct, <laughs> correct. Or this company sounds like it's a good deal, I'll yeah. buy into it without knowing really what's going on. Because yeah in a way, there is no way for retail investors to do intensive research.
0: Yep. But having said that, there are people whose interest is in this area. So they will spend a lot of their free time actually reading up and honing their skill in this area. So I guess for them, there's a lot of satisfaction also when they pick the right stocks and then they get the returns that they they like. So it's a lot of a learning experience and Mm. valuable learning experience for them as well. So there's pros and cons. It depends on your interests. But
1: the average retail investor does it as a hobby, right? As a sort of
0: yeah. Some the they try to beat the market, yeah, but without the proper system, the proper process.
1: Okay, so that's where inclusive Valley fund comes in, and you focus on stocks The trade below fair value as mm. well. Mm. Um, to illustrate this, would be you know a fair value of one dollar per share in a stock that is trading. Sixty cents, mm-hmm. uh, for example, is this something you would consider in the fund? Then,
0: yeah. So, like I said, the one of the criteria we look for is not valuation. Yeah, right? yeah. The price versus the valuation. So, how do you even value a stock? Right, there's so many ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people look at the earnings project, the earnings. But overt. it's not just that. Yeah. So for us, we take a very simple approach, which basically we look at the assets owned by the companies. Right. So if they have like 100 million worth of uh, properties and cash in the bank mm-hmm. and then they have 20 million of borrowings, that means their net asset is 80 million, right? So if in the stock market, the entire company is trading at 40 million, that means they are trading at a discount to their underlying assets. So this is one of the companies that we will look for, one of the criteria that we will look at.
1: Okay. The minimum sum that a person needs to start investing in an inclusive value fund, is there an exact figure or does it vary depending on a person and their goals?
0: So for our fund, the minimum is 160000 Okay. Yeah, because we are Cayman Incorporated. So Cayman Law says that uh, you need $100,000 USD so okay. when you convert to single dollar We put it at 160,000.
1: 160,000, same dollars. And what sort of yield will an investor be looking at uh, with this one?
0: So, in normal market conditions, our process is supposed to deliver 10 to 12% over the long term.
1: Okay, and long term meaning how many years?
0: At least three to five years.
1: Three to five years. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah,
0: but the last two years hasn't been normal.
1: Normal, right? So (laughs) again, let's go back to that. What would be a normal (laughs) market condition? Because there is a new normal now. We can't deny that.
0: Yeah, in a way. So every time something new comes along, just like in 2000, right? People were saying that, yeah, the new economy and then the dot-com bubble just, yeah nasdaq just went crazy and then after that it corrected Mm. so i think when it comes to fundamental values for companies there's always a fair value so prices cannot deviate too far from that so what we are banking on is that prices will return to fair values that's why we buy uh, cheap or bargain stocks hoping that over time they will get back to the fair value range that's when we will make the returns
1: Sounds good. Um, talking to Te Hui Ling, portfolio manager at Inclusive Value Funds, about how to grow your money and what to do with your money when you have enough lying around $160,000. <laughs> because it's a, well, Cayman Island, you said, right? That, that's the uh, law that they have over there. But uh, Hui Ling, what are the differences then? And we hear this a lot when we do financial news. There's a Class A, Class B, Class C shares. What are the differences?
0: So for our fund, Class Class A shares was offered to investors, the early BIRDS investors, right? Because when we first started, we didn't have the track record. So we had the preferential rate, which Mm -hmm. is zero management fee, and then 16% uh, performance fee. So it means that when we make $1 for you, we get paid $0.16. That's Class A. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we don't make anything for you, we get zero. Okay. Okay. Class B is uh, the normal class shares, which is zero management fee and then 20% performance fee. When we make $1 for you, we get $0.20. And then for Class C, you pay a small management fee, 0.5%, which means that if you put $100 with us, you pay us $0.50 every year or $0.04 a month. And then when we make money on top of the management fees that you have paid, like another $0.50, then you pay us uh, $0.08 out of that.
1: Okay, apart from class A, which is for early birds, uh, between class B and C, does the investor have a choice in what uh, works well for them and how do they determine what what works
0: yeah. well? So they have a choice of uh, B or C and then it depends on their view, right? So if they think that we can generate more than 10.5% return a mm-hmm. year for them, then it makes sense for them to go for class C because they pay a fixed management fee and then they share less of the profit, right? Okay. And then when they think that we can make less than ten point five, then they won't, they don't want to pay the fixed management fee. Then they'll just share the performance fee. So there are some people also because out of a philosophical approach, then they feel that okay, we have costs to bear when we are running the fund, so they don't mind paying the management fee, a hmm. fixed cost to them, but they share less of the profit when we do generate the returns.
1: Okay, and once they decide on which one they want to do, are they locked in for a specific period of time or can they change at any time depending on their sentiments?
0: I think they can change, but typically people don't, yeah, don't change. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But there is, is there a minimum lock-in period? Because that's what uh, some people are worried about as well, right? How long is my money going to be there and when can I? Yeah start thinking about doing something else.
0: Yeah, so for our fund, we said minimum lock-in period is three years. Okay. So there's an early penalty of like, if you redeem within the first year, there's 5% penalty, second year is 35 and then third year is 2%. The reason why we have a minimum period is that we want to encourage people to stay invested for a longer time. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the indices in the world over, uh, since 1973, if you your investment horizon is just one year and you invest one year, one year later, you want to take it out, the chances of you making losses is 40%. Right. Yeah. If you increase your investment horizon to three years, then you reduce your chances of loss to 22%. But if you stay invested for 10 years, then there's less than 5% chance that you make uh, losses. That means 95% of the time, you would be making money if you stay invested for 10 years or more.
1: And when you think about it, three years, which is the minimum that you're, you're talking about, right? Yeah. It's not that long these days. Yeah. Three years go by in a snap.
0: Correct. Blink of an eye.
1: A blink of an eye. Yeah, whichever <laughs> is faster. <laughs> snap or bl- Yeah, blink of an eye is faster. <laughs> I mean, look at it. It's already August today and just Correct. a few months ago we we're just starting 2019. And
0: Trump has been around for three years.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking for four more to go and more new normal for you. <laughs> talking about normal uh market conditions, right? Um, so now the thing that most investors will ask you about is what kind of returns am I looking at?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, normal conditions, 10 to 12%. So. so how do
1: you explain this in a time now where we are looking at very unnormal condition in many ways, in many parts of the world?
0: Yeah, so I guess it's also a result of the kind of leaders we have in the world today, right? So you yeah. <laughs> have.
1: But again, it's unpredictable, right? Because yeah. uh, every. <laughs> okay, let's just focus on the United States, for example. We don't know what the people in, in middle America are thinking right now, and we are expecting four more years of Trump. That versus a more stable China, perhaps. Mm-hmm. How do you balance this out? To, and yeah. how do you explain it to investors?
0: <laughs> so. I guess when the volatility has been around for like two, three years, people get accustomed to it mm-hmm. and then they will value stocks in a like a normalised way. So it's only when it is happening, people are still uncertain, then they are a bit jittery, so market get depressed. So when there's more clarity, like maybe next year after the election campaign is over, or yeah, people will be more certain on what's going to happen in the markets.
1: And sit on end for the long run, as you said, the yeah. longer you're So invested, all this
0: volatility comes and goes, mm-hmm. changes happens all the time. People can never predict. But so, what we know is if an asset is undervalued, mm-hmm. then over time, at certain points, somebody is going to offer a fair value for it. So right. it depends on the timing.
1: So only invest money that you're willing to uh, sit, uh, let it sit for a long time. Yeah. And uh, that would be... Uh, I guess the most prudent advice uh, that you would give?
0: Yeah. Yeah, people, if you're saving for retirement Mm and then your horizon is pretty long, even for people who are already retired and then you have like a huge cash hoard, you can allocate some to equities fund which are managed very prudently.
1: All right, thank you very much uh Huiling for sharing your thoughts uh with us on Money and Me. And of course, if you want to hear more about uh, uh Huiling, she is uh, going to be at uh, Money at Work this Friday at the Mercedes-Benz Center. It's happening on Alexandra Road and you can meet uh, Huiling up close and personal follow up on some of the topics uh we talked about here as well on Money and Me you're listening to.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM